Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, welcome back to She and Her. Sandra is not here today. She is in Burnsville um, doing a photo shoot at Nina Simone's childhood home. But she will be back with us shortly. But in the meantime, we want to introduce you to our wonderful new intern, Lucy. She's going to be with us uh, for the month of July and a little bit of August. Um, And you'll hear some of her own content uh, later on in August. She'll help produce some shows. Um, but now, today, we'll just give you a little introduction. So, Lucy, welcome to She and Her. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, so, Lucy and I met back in 2017? Two years ago. Yeah, um, because she was working on a podcast or wanted to start a podcast at her school. Um, and wanted just kind of a podcasting 101. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about the premise of that podcast and how you got interested in audio storytelling? Um, So the podcast that we have at my school, or my former school, I guess, since I'm graduating, um, it's called Something Catchy. That was the first name we had, and then it kind of stuck with it. Um, So we wanted to investigate school stereotypes. I went to a pretty small kind of preppy um you know it it was sort of homogenous like the student body and um there were a lot of like kind of adjectives that were associated with it um it had a reputation and so we wanted to explore those stereotypes and kind of give human voices to that and so that's sort of what the project was born out of and then we just kept going with it and pushed boundaries I think with the administration and it was exciting to be talking about things I felt like people weren't really talking about yet at the school um the impetus for the podcast in the beginning I've always loved podcasting it's a big part of my my family um I grew up just like listening to the radio with my dad you know the car drives to soccer and stuff like that Uh, I love Ira Glass (laughs) his voice calms me down um yeah, so it was just a part of my life, and I wanted to start actually making something because I thought it was so cool. What are some of the episodes that you made uh, for something catchy? Mm-hmm. So the first the first episode we made was about inclusivity. Um, 
we we kind of did it this American lifestyle. So there were a couple of different acts per episode that related to a general theme. So the theme was inclusivity and the first pro- the first story I think and we talked about it a lot with you that really interested us was um we have a boys lacrosse team and for you know before one of their game days they dressed up as fairies so like um you know with the wings it wasn't you know super out there but you could definitely see the whole team was pretty much dressed up and people got specifically people from the lgbtq plus community got really upset with them because fairies was used as a derogatory term for gay men and still is for some people and so then the administration made them take off their costumes halfway through the school day and then sort of banned costume wearing for all teams after that and so that was a really interesting story and then it just kind of got blown away like it had been a couple months since that happened and we were really interested in going back to it and talking more about it so that was the first story and then the second story was about affinity groups um, so groups where you gather together based on some common part of your identity, uh, race, religion, you know, sexuality. And we wanted to talk about those, whether people felt excluded by them, whether they felt like that was a good thing or not. Um, so, yeah. And in terms of the, um, the fairies episode, how did people respond to you all wanting to bring this up and look back into it? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think, I mean, there's no way you can represent all perspectives. I, I don't think people really knew we were doing it until we, we released the podcast, and then the administration was like, wait a second. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't think they took us very seriously until we actually showed them the episode. Then they were like, wait, wait, you need to you need to have more of these perspectives. Um, they they really, when we showed them the first draft, they were, I mean, maybe a little upset. Like, I think mm. they just, it flew under the radar, and then suddenly it was there, and it was problematic. And that was kind of exciting, but also really frustrating, because um, it, it did feel like it took a really long time to get that story out. Yeah. Um, did students respond? Did you have, like, good listenership and response? Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of people really enjoyed it. Um, we definitely got some complaints, I think, from the boys lacrosse team in particular in particular a lot of boys actually were just kind of upset like they they felt like we hadn't really I don't know conveyed the viewpoint of the whole team because we only interviewed one lacrosse player okay mostly because we felt like they wouldn't talk to us really genuinely so it was tough like I could understand where they were coming from Mm -hmm. but then we probably couldn't have gotten balanced perspectives in the first place because they wouldn't have wanted to talk. Right. Yeah, you're always kind of towing that line of how much is one person representative of a whole group and how do you portray all of the nuance when you're yeah. doing it in a contained way. And still please the people that like control whether you can put it out or exactly, not. Exactly, exactly. So were they, did they have editorial control over all the podcasts, the administration? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And was that kind of part of you being a sanctioned club? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, interesting. The communications department had complete control. And then they asked, They also had control over a platform, too. Like okay. We really had to push hard just to get it on SoundCloud. Um, people people really didn't want it to be, like, on iTunes or on something that would be really easy to access. Interesting. Yeah. And is it still up on SoundCloud? Mm-hmm. It is still up on okay. SoundCloud. But you have to have the link to uh, see it. It's not Google public. It. Yeah. Okay. And then tell me about the Affinity Groups one. Oh, yeah. Um, the Affinity Groups one was really interesting. Um, 
so I think a lot of people felt a little bit excluded by affinity groups, understandably so, you know, you can only go if you sort of, you like, identify in that way, and then everyone else is just sort of, eh, out, out on the side. Like, my personal experience with affinity groups, I'm a quarter Chinese, and I don't look Chinese, I look totally white, um, but, you know, I do Chinese things, I have a Chinese grandparent, my dad, you know, cooks Chinese food, we do, we do all the, we do a lot of things that are part of Chinese culture, but I never felt like I could go to those groups because I didn't look the part. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was something I felt, and I think that's something that other people felt as well. And then there was the whole other side, which was that people felt like it's great that you have this group where you can go talk about problems for a specific identity, but you're not really going to be able to create real change if you don't bring that to the general population. Hmm. So maybe that's a good place to start but it's too exclusive to achieve real change. So is your dad biracial? He has one Chinese parent Mm -hmm. and one, okay. Yeah. It's so, so yeah, my dad is Indian and my mom is British and I also don't look Indian. And it's something that I've, it's so interesting because in, in so many spaces, there was no like subgroup of Indian culture in my high school, but there definitely was at UNC where I went to college. And Mm -hmm. I think at first I was super jazzed about the idea of, getting involved and um because i felt so removed from indian culture once i left home Mm -hmm. but i felt super uncomfortable in those spaces and especially at unc there was a really i think probably because it's a state school so there was a huge chunk of people who knew each other through various indian networks existing in the state and that culture just felt so exclusive that i I don't know. I just didn't feel like I could be a part of it without, like, wearing a sign that said, like, my dad is Indian. And it's really uncomfortable. And obviously, it's a privilege to pass as white. And that, you know, in many spaces, that is a huge privilege. But it it's tricky to navigate when you want to. You're curious about the culture and you're invested in the culture because of your personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you thinking about that as you tr- think about transitioning to college? Oh, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. Like, for me, the Chinese culture thing, it's always been an interesting question. Like, I don't, I don't feel like my life is surrounded by, like, Chinese culture. I mm-hmm. feel exactly a fourth Chinese, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like that's my entire life. And sometimes I feel like it's just something I throw out as, like, an interesting fact about me, not something I feel super connected to, but I would definitely love to explore it more in a college setting, um maybe maybe more in a context where it's less like an affinity group context mm-hmm. and more just explore diversity kind of yeah thing, or kind of take thing. a class or take a class yeah or... how do conversations about identity i'm curious about how conversations about gender and gender identity are showing up in kind of your high school classroom i saw in um, you put together a list of pitches for us, and that there's an AP gender class. Mm-hmm. I did. I took that last. Okay, year. that is amazing. Is that new? It's got to be new. Actually, it's been around no? a couple years. It's okay. taught. It's taught by this incredible faculty member who he actually wrote a book about it. He's very openly gay. He's a super um, supportive teacher and faculty member for you know people who are questioning or just need someone to talk to about sexuality or gender. And so he... Is the book Sissy or something? Yes. Okay, we've yes. had him on the show. Oh, you've had him on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. great. He's yeah. awesome. So what do you learn in AP Gender? Um, 
so we start we start with like basic texts you know people that are part have done a lot of studying gender and sexuality a lot of them were really complicated hard to break down we just explore a lot of literature around it i i don't i i think it's just like um yeah so we just explore a lot of literature around like gender sexuality and one of my favorite parts of the class was we had this thing called tie-in tuesdays so every tuesday someone or a couple people would be chosen to present on a given topic that they could choose about how what we were learning in the class related to something in the greater world like mm-hmm. gender sexuality mm-hmm. um so i talked about gender neutral co- clothing lines um how that's growing in popularity and what it means and if it's really solving any problems so oh interesting tell me about that i don't know much about it um, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, big name brands. I think H and M in particular. They had and Zara. They have gender neutral clothing lines that came out, and it's it's talking about like, can something be gender neutral in the first place? Is it good for it to be gender neutral? Um, because I know a lot of people who really take comfort in their gender, mm-hmm. and that makes them happy to have something to categorize themselves with. So it was about that mostly. That is really interesting. We had on um, Lachlan Watson a couple mm-hmm, of yeah. months ago, who's the um, gender non-binary teenager who stars in Sabrina, or the new iteration of Sabrina on Netflix. And they were talking about this kind of constant push-pull between people ex- kind of expecting and heralding non-binary people who dress very ambigu- like ambiguously, mm-hmm. and that we shouldn't expect gender non-binary people to do that. Like, if one day Lachlan wakes up and wants to look super feminine, mm-hmm. and one day super masculine, like, that should be perfectly okay, but there's this expectation that if you're non-binary, you're going to always want to, like, present in this very androgynous, mm-hmm. gender-neutral way. Yeah, I listened to that episode. It was really interesting to yeah. me, because I, I actually really didn't know what non-binary meant, and so from listening to that i understand that it's now that it's sort of sort of like you don't identify with the box at all like you just sure you can like you know what's stereotypically considered feminine clothing or masculine clothing but you don't need to be get caught up in the binary yes which is interesting to me yeah and there's so few representations of that and there's so little understanding and acknowledgement of that as a it's like yeah, a category because it has no category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you all talk in the class about language and like the language around gender and how that's changing? Like pronouns? Yeah. Um, I don't know if we explicitly talked about that, but pronouns have come a lot up a lot in school discussions. Hmm. Um, the the GSA, the Gender Sexuality Alliance at my high school, you normally did like an annual assembly and they would normally talk about labels um just clear up terms because i think one of the biggest barriers to understanding is just people have never heard terms before and they don't know what they mean um yeah i I think i mentioned this in in what i wrote to you but i think there's a lot of resistance to pronouns like adopting new pronouns i feel like people don't want to be considered transphobic or homophobic but they don't want to be really like tied into that and by having to use new pronouns that that makes it them part of part Mm, of it you know they they just don't want to be bothered it's interesting because it's hard we i'm still hosting the guest hosting the state of things and we Mm -hmm. did a whole conversation today about infertility and a little bit of the science behind it who experiences infertility why do people experience it what are some of the contributing factors and we kind of moved into personal stories and then looked at masculinity and 
um, men who are infertile and how um, even a lot of men who are infertile don't identify as being infertile and how that is really shaped by their own understanding of their masculinity. And one of the comments that one of our producers said to me in our debrief was that he felt like um, the language that we were using was really trans. So I guess I'll pause by saying that I was really intentional as a host throughout the show to throw questions to people on the air about what I kind of framed as like the LGBT experience of fertility or infertility. And so I asked like the physician, how about LGBT couples? Like, you know, what kind of treatment options are available for them? And he came back with an answer about same-sex lesbian couples and same-sex gay couples. And he didn't mention anything about trans couples. And I didn't follow up. And then later on, we were kind of talking about the same thing and how our language, basically the language throughout the episode, we kept saying we were using men and women and male and female interchangeably. And him pointing that out to me as that being trans exclusive, it's true, but it's so it's so challenging to change your language when you are like when you're talking about things in the realm of biology and reproductive organs and healthcare where the line is so gendered right mm-hmm. like in medicine the studies are about men and women like that's how the terminology is and like male reproductive parts and female reproductive parts so i was thinking like what could i have done differently and i guess i could have at the beginning of the show kind of said a disclaimer that said you know during the course of the show we're going to be talking about men and women and we mean cis men and cis women um because that's what we like that's kind of where the research is right now and then that would have kind of taken care of the fact that the rest of the language was maybe not that way but i don't know i'm curious about your take on that and like whether you feel like there is a you have a a really strong consciousness where those things like you're very aware of using a term like male or female Hmm. um so i have a couple of trans friends and I've had conversations with them about, you know, pronouns, what makes them uncomfortable, what makes them comfortable. And most of them are pretty accepting of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And although it can be very, like, it's very uncomfortable when people make mistakes in terms of pronouns. You just feel so awkward and uncomfortable for the person mm-hmm. who's been misgendered. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's hard. I don't think I'm that conscious of it in normal conversations, but when I'm around someone who's trans um, or questioning, yeah, like, it is definitely on my mind all of the time. And I I have to admit, like, for me, it is hard with they, them pronouns. Like, that that is, like, grammatically hard for me. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I totally hear you, and I feel the same way when I'm really aware of talking... I spoke with a woman who wrote a trans character in her book, and I was very aware of every time I identified that character, identifying him with his preferred pronoun, which is he. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in a conversation, when I'm speaking fluidly and asking questions for me to think in the term, or I guess be conscious of every time saying cisgendered women or cisgendered men, or you know what I mean? It's like... yeah. And the more you add, the more you draw attention to it. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's really, 
And I feel like there's a really long way to go in language. And I wonder, I don't know, like I don't want to erase people's identity, but I wonder whether there, there's going to be a way that we can like create terms that instead of putting more specificity have less or something. Like if everyone is, I don't know. I don't even know how that would work. Mm. But it's like going to create a huge problem for radio because we yeah. use so many pronouns. Like you cannot, it's so hard. And when someone, when we have a guest on who doesn't identify with a particular pronoun, the how introductions are literally the clunkiest sounding thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like we did this whole hour long show with um, this really awesome uh, <laughs> person <laughs> who works at UNC who goes by and doesn't like a he or a she and was okay with a they but didn't would really just prefer like T as a short for Terry I believe and I just was like just sitting at my desk with my like my head in my hands being like I cannot write I don't know how to write this info like you know because it's like T grew up in Mississippi in the 1930s when T was a kid T felt that you know, it just starts to get so it's like I can't and the like with radio you're trying to make it as understandable and fluid as possible mm-hmm. and like every iteration of writing about it was like this is so not understandable. Mm. Do you find that people are like understanding? People are usually really understanding, um and generous, I think, with probably our s- struggle to Adapt, but this producer that pointed out to us is by far the youngest person on staff. He's 22, I think, um, and just came out of college. And I feel like his, it's just making me aware that, like, I already feel like my consciousness, I don't know. I like, I just felt kind of behind the times being like, oh my God, like, mm-hmm. you're totally right that I did this and that I wasn't even aware, or that like, I felt like, good job, Anita, because I, asked questions that I thought were inclusive but he he pointed out that he's like yeah the questions were I mean obviously like I did better than probably a lot of other hosts in public radio who are not even going to ask those those like the questions about the LGBT couples generally but I don't know I just think it's a really interesting I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. It's just like, what do you do? Yeah, and you, and, like, the intention, and I know, like, good intentions are not enough, and when people feel erased, like, that is terrible, and obviously there's never an intention to do that, but, yeah, there's just, like, a lot, there's a lot that is going to have to change for the way that we talk about our culture generally to reflect all of these things that people are experiencing so specifically. Mm, yeah, I mean, I've always wondered, are labels a good thing, you know? Because, sure, it, it helps you identify, like, find some sort of community to identify with, but then it also just creates so many sub-communities uh, that you're, you're kind of confused, you're, like, hopping back between communities, and other people can't keep up with that, and it's, it's like a constant battle for you and for the people around you. Right. And like, yeah, it creates this otherizing for people that aren't approaching it from the perspective of like, I want to be open and curious and I want you to feel comfortable expressing yourself in the best way that you can. Like, it puts people off to feel like you are offended by how they're 
trying to address you and like that's their problem but also it's our problem as a society and as like advocates and allies to figure out how to bridge the gap I think and mm-hmm. I mean it kind of reminds me of Lock- like your interview with Lachlan mm-hmm. like I feel like they were advocating for just sort of having all of that go away yeah like having, right having nothing basically just seeing people as people mm-hmm. and that's that yeah so I don't know I mean it gets it gets back to what I was talking about with the gender neutral clothing line is is gender and sexuality and all the labels that go with it a good thing because I mean I from my experience yes like I love being a woman I like mm-hmm. all of the things that come with it um I don't know. It gives me comfort. I know it gives a lot of other women comfort. Right. Mm-hmm. And it gives, like, it's kind of, like, narrowing the... I don't know. I, I just wonder. I, one of our friends said, um, who has a younger sister who's in middle school, maybe, that, like, almost everyone in her grade dates men and women. I think we talked about this last week, maybe. Mm-hmm. And there's no, like, the idea of your sexuality is just not something that is front and center Mm -hmm. and that feels worlds apart from I mean I'm 30 I'm not that old but it feels worlds apart from my experience in high school and even my experience now like Mm -hmm. I feel like I have friends obviously who identify along the sexuality spectrum fewer that identify along a gender spectrum but the idea that everyone considers themselves fluid is just not yeah uh I don't know, that feels like a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wonder whether we're just going to kind of, con- like, as we continue to develop and people grow up in a culture that already accepts this amount of fluidity, whether, like, that'll keep pushing and that's what will lead to this greater... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you said that, I think a lot of people, a lot more people now are, are like, they're okay with saying, oh, I'm bi-curious or I'm bisexual, but... Mm. I feel like it's just become I don't know whatever the the um, three equivalent of a binary is. Yes, like there, right. there's still a lot of problems with accepting. There's still the space in between. There yes, in terms of, both in in gender and sexuality. Yes, I think that's so confusing. I mean, that's what you were talking about with the the pronouns. It, yeah. It's just, it's really confusing still all the fluidity because by bi, bisexual it's like something it's half and half like that's very easy to wrap your head around. Right. You know. Um, so I think it still needs to progress a little bit. I don't know what that's going to look like, but. Where do you feel like your parents are? Oh, um, my parents are super accepting. Yeah. Um, I'm bisexual where I like, that's how I identify. Yeah. And my parents are like, yeah, I mean, they're totally accepting. I I don't, I don't think it's a big barrier for them, but I know, I mean, it is for a lot of people. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to come out as that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, just I felt like more I owed it to them I think interesting I I think they already knew it about me from like a pretty young age um but I just like I felt like especially since I had told my mom when I was in middle school and then it took me like a really long time to just tell my dad for no particular reason other than I just never really thought about it yeah and then at a certain point I thought yeah you know maybe I should tell my dad too because I told my mom a while ago so just I owe it to him right yeah Mm mm-hmm do you feel like there has been change, like since you began to identify as bisexual, there's been change around you and how people perceive you, or it's been pretty static? Um, the people I've chosen to tell are people I, I know won't change, mm-hmm. or I, I assume won't change. 
um, their perspective on me. Um, I think I'm the I'm the one that's changing. I'm becoming more comfortable with my identity. Yeah. And then, but like you said, I don't put that at the forefront. Um, like that is not the it's not the most important thing for me to put out there. It's not the thing I would say first or, um, yeah, it's just not at the forefront of my identity. Yeah. So. Do you think it will be at diff- at another point in your life? Like, does it have anything to do with whether or not you're in a relationship or looking for a relationship or, I don't know. Mm, I Like, um, I don't know. Maybe that is something I'd want to mo- explore more in college. Yeah. But right now, no, I think. I think I'm okay with where where it where it's at in yeah. the fold of my identity. Yes, right. How it folds into all of the other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so everything it's just changing constantly. You're changing, the world is changing. It's it's hard to keep up with. It is, and it's 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 just crazy to also feel like and I'm sure this is how people feel about technology i don't yet feel well that's not true there's definitely some technology i do not understand (laughs) but just to feel like wow okay i am like not at the vanguard anymore like i am there are people who are pushing the boundaries way more than i've ever seen and now i like i don't know it's it's really it's a really cool thing to like see and witness that there's so much I mean, there's so many terrible things. <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a, such a weird time because, like, you look to, the, like, to one side and you see so much regression. And then you look to the other side and you see things that, are like, you, I just never expected to be a reality. Mm-hmm. It's just a really fascinating time to be. Yeah. And does it ever make you feel bad that you don't always understand those things? Because sometimes that, I feel that a little bit. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. And I think it's hard to not take it personally that... It's, it's that intention question of like I watched the have you watched the new Aziz Ansari stand up special I haven't seen it it's really thought provoking and one of the things that he talks a lot about so he does spend about 10 minutes at the beginning addressing um, the incident that happened oh, last right. year or year and a half ago where he was called out publicly for how he handled a sexual encounter mm-hmm. and he basically spends the first 10 minutes of the stand up special addressing that and saying like I don't like how that like I feel terrible for what I did and that whole experience was like um, a huge wake-up call for me and a big wake-up call for like a ton of my guy friends who said like I can't even tell you the number of dates I've had that have gone like that Um, and he talks about how it's really challenging because we're in this moment where we want there's this kind of wokeness competition that's happening (laughs) right where like people are always trying to outwoke each other and that like and he does this like really funny bit about um like wokeness calculators and he's like (laughs) sometimes i wonder whether there are these like people that just get together at night and like tally up their wokeness points Mm -hmm. um and that like there's he's like i don't know that you're inherently more you're not more woke for talking about your wokeness on social media and you're not more woke for like talking about for being a white person addressing like acknowledging that you've learned things about race that clearly people of color have been experiencing for a long time and like obviously it's good to be pushing the conversation forward but at what point does it become like just as bad to be like so uh like forthright about your own wokeness as it is to be like a little bit more ignorant you know it's yeah. like there's 
in some ways this this idea that we all have to be like so on top of like what the latest thing is all the time and we're just kind of reiterating think pieces to each other is mm-hmm. like that's not really like true living mm-hmm. yeah the wokeness competition thing that that's so real um and sometimes i find myself doing it yeah too. yeah it's hard like, to I'm not exempt it is hard to avoid mm-hmm. yeah i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I think people just have so much trouble admitting they don't know something and yeah. that they're maybe wrong or that they had some misconception. And and so they just, you know, spout out things that they've heard and then they it just keeps building and building. Um, but I think with social media especially, um, it's all about aesthetic. Like nothing, nothing, in my opinion, on social media is really about substance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when the main platform for like expressing those beliefs to a really wide group of people is about aesthetic that starts to bleed into every aspect of your life you're yes. just all you're concerned with is how you look you know and it's all about you you're curating your life and so part of that is you're curating your beliefs and how people perceive you and that's exactly what he said too is that it's like it's so much about self-preservation mm-hmm. and about like preservation of this very particular version of your identity and how you're projecting it and that he's like we can't judge ourselves he's like i went back and i listened to some stand-up that i had and like jokes i'd written in 2006 and i was like oh my god i would never do that now like those jokes would not fly but they're forever preserved in posterity like on Mm -hmm. netflix and so like we can't we can't like self-censor ourselves so much that we're not expressing ourselves because we're afraid of looking stupid one to five years from now like I hope that in five years I've developed farther along than where I am now. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you find that balance between, like, wanting to do the right thing and having the right intentions, but also not, like, censor yourself so much that you feel like you can't say anything? Mm -hmm. And even even if the intention is only about looking good or the aesthetic, sometimes the end result can be furthering the conversation about it. Exactly. So, yeah, it is a tough line to... Yeah, it's definitely worth... It's really worth checking out uh he does some really definitely look at it 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 just felt like one of the most authentic um i don't know i think some of the other people that have like tried to renew their image after some of these incidents it's just felt really pre and this felt like very honest like he'd actually taken a step back and thought through it and can acknowledge and like put in perspective where he 
was and where he wants to go and well with with the me too movement i feel like that's the big question you know there's all of these women accusing men of you know sexual harassment sexual abuse but then what's the next step you know how do you how do you talk about it in a free way because i feel like a lot of men will come and say oh i'm sorry you know but how genuine is that what does that even mean what are you sorry for because i feel like they very rarely actually acknowledge what they do um you know before they say sorry exactly it makes you wonder have they you know have they learned their lesson what do they think they're apologizing for and there yeah there was i was at a like gathering the other day and someone was talking about she brought this up in conversation she was like so my dad is 70 years old he lives in california our family's super progressive um but he came up to me a couple of weeks ago and he wanted to tell me that he all of this me too stuff had brought up for him the fact that he feels like he um had sex with some people when he was in college uh and it wasn't totally consensual mm-hmm. and he wanted to apologize to me and she was like, and I just did not know what to do with that information. Like, first of all, you don't need to apologize to me. Mm-hmm. And, like, what do we she, – and she's like, what do we say to these, like, well-intentioned men who are now kind of gaining consciousness about things that they've done in their past and want to make amends? But, like, is it appropriate for him to reach out to someone who hasn't heard from him in, like, 50 years mm-hmm. and apologize? Like, not really. So, like, what are the actionable steps that people – can take and I mean and someone was like why doesn't he go to work and make sure that every woman in the office is paid equally to what men are paid you know it's like there's I think it's great that we're acknowledging the spectrum of uh harassment and that we can like we can see that you know like even well-intentioned acts in the workplace that may not be explicitly sexual assault like fall along that spectrum Mm -hmm. But we need to incorporate that conversation into a bigger, excuse me, one about, like, yeah, looking. It's not, you can't just apologize and then, like, wipe your hands, you know? Like, that's, you're not changing. Like, the whole point is we're trying to reveal the system of patriarchy in which sexual assault and sexual harassment exist in this bigger context. Mm -hmm. And so what do we say to men who want to be allies and want to do things differently it's like i mean part of what i said i was like you need to tell him to just like step back and do some reading you know it's like it's not our first of all it's not our responsibility to give you a like a recipe book for like how you can feel better about yourself mm-hmm. and like maybe you need, just need to take up less space for a while and like think, you know what i mean yeah. and like read and like educate yourself on ways that you can unlearn some of the things that you've learned that have led to this system in the first place Mm -hmm. and if you have influence if you're a parent you know a teacher to create another generation that doesn't exactly exactly like raise your and she was like and i wanted to say like you like you did raise like a son and a daughter in like you know in a very equitable household like with you know we felt very empowered do whatever we wanted to do so like i feel like you have you know you're not a bad man and then it's like just people just go so quickly to that like well does this mean i'm a bad man Mm -hmm. it's like that kind of black and white thinking is not going to get the conversation going anywhere you know yeah and at that point it's just it's still about you exactly it's still about you like you're not doing anything to help the other person like sometimes acknowledging or going back to that time is more traumatic for the person who experienced it and the better thing is just to 
to not yeah think about that how did me too play out in high school like and what kind of conversations did y'all have and Mm. what was that like i think for a lot of people it was really distressing Mm. um like i i think actually I, i think i got a better sense of it from the male perspective because um for the podcast we really wanted to make an episode while like all of this stuff was happening um about gender at my school yeah um but my co-host is is a guy and he was really adamant like he did not want to talk about it i think mm. he, he talked about like how his mom like i think when the jake kavanaugh thing um ha- happened like he his mom would look at him and he hated the way that she looked at him like he could do that wow and and i think he just didn't want to think about that like didn't want to talk about that which was completely legitimate yeah Um, but like this assumption that all boys are like sexual predators and out to get girls um like that made him really uncomfortable Mm. and i don't know if like not talking about it was the way to deal with that but i can understand that you know it created a lot of fear yeah so yeah i don't for me for me personally i I don't know i i've never like experienced a whole lot partially i mean i go to like i go to a school where we're well taken care of i i I don't feel like i've been in a lot of situations where like i feel like i could be sexually harassed or exploited but i know that's reality for a lot of people my age um so it didn't hit close to home but i saw his reaction yeah that was really interesting is it something that comes up as you think about going to college and oh yeah for sure yeah in what way just being careful yeah um like being safe being around other people who will take care of me um because you know when you're going to college you're basically starting with nothing and i feel like the first thing i'm looking to is to create relationships Mm -hmm. friends or otherwise and and i'm just it's so hard for me to know like where i'm gonna be in a year and how the decisions i'm making now are gonna influence that yes and i'm conscious of it but also have no control over it yeah totally Mm -hmm. and like the the process of and i feel like i went through this a lot in i mean i guess throughout college but i remember a lot of instances kind of once i moved off campus of navigating that space of wanting to assert my independence and my I don't know sense of self and self-assuredness as a woman and not wanting to be perceived as vulnerable and the reality of like knowing the statistics and knowing that like there's a lot of petty crime and travel hole carbro and whatever it is like I would always kind of weigh that when you know like i want to leave early from something or i'm like walking back late from the library alone Mm -hmm. and i have a guy friend who's like are you sure you don't want me to walk with you and like 90 percent of me is like no i'm fine but then there's 10 percent of me that's like oh no is this you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's like i hate that i hate that and i hate like feeling vulnerable and feeling like i don't know it just it's just this really tricky position and obviously college is not it's not uh, necessarily you're not any more likely to experience well I guess you are statistically but you know yeah. I don't know I mean it's just like a one time in your life where you're going to be having probably a lot more of those experiences in other times mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah I mean it's definitely on my mind like yeah just the people I'm choosing to associate with. exactly and I think yeah that's huge like the community that you 
create and how safe you feel. And even like looking back, it's like maybe I would have felt better if I could have said like, I really hate doing this because it makes me feel blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, like maybe that would have taken some of the edge off of that interaction or something. Like just acknowledging it. Yeah. Or at least like making sure that they knew that I didn't need them to do that. (laughs) Like that it was my choice ultimately, not like, no, I'm going to walk you home. Mm. It's like, no, I'm going to make that decision. Yeah. No, I've definitely been there. Like, you know, when when people are like, oh, or some some teachers like, oh, let this guy like carry your suitcase up the stairs. I'm kind of like, well, um, you know, I can carry my own suitcase, but also it's heavy and I would really love someone to carry <laughs> right, exactly. it for me. And also, like, generally, biologically, men are a little bit stronger and probably could carry it up faster than me, <laughs> yes. like, kind of, like, toting it up really slowly. Right. right so. You're like, yeah, there's some biological contributing factors, such as the fact that my center of gravity is at a different place and <laughs> it's easier for men to develop upper body muscle, so. but <laughs> just so you know, I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> It's my choice. Exactly. It is my choice. Okay. Well, wow. Time has flown by and we're out of time. (laughs) So Lucy will be back uh, and we will be back. Um, You've been listening to She and Her from WHUPLP in Hillsboro. You can find us on Instagram, She and Her Radio, Facebook. We're really bad on Twitter, so just don't follow us there. Go to our website, sheandherradio.com. And uh, we'll see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.